episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Today we have with us climber, athlete, writer, and photographer, and certified rock climbing instructor with the American Mountain Guides Association. Miranda Oakley, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thank you. Well, Miranda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm an avid rock climber. Um, I grew up on the East Coast in Maryland. And as soon as I graduated from college, I moved straight to Yosemite um, to kind of cut my teeth and climbing there. Um, and yeah, I worked my way up. I started out there as um, a camp helper in the High Sierra camps in Yosemite. And slowly worked my way up to washing dishes, to waiting tables, and then eventually uh, became a rock climbing guide. Right. So in in most careers, we'd say you were climbing the ladder, but you were climbing the rocks, <laughs> yeah. right? I like to say I worked my way. I worked my way up. You climbed literally. your way up, up yeah. the rocks. Now you said you grew up in Maryland, which isn't exactly known for its epic rock climbing. Uh, was there something that um, that made you interested or kind of um, had you thinking, wow, that looks like it's really fun to do? Um, I had this like strange obsession with climbing before I ever even tried it. Um, but the first time I guess I was exposed to climbing was at a summer camp, um, like a sleepaway camp that I went to. It was pretty focused on outdoor activities. And, um, and then I really got into it when my mom started taking me to the climbing gym. At around age 15 um, is when I started started going at least once, maybe two or three times a week. And um, yeah, so I was a big gym climber back in the day. And I'm always interested because something we've talked about in this podcast is is taking children out and, and introducing children to the outdoors. At a, at a, the younger we get out there, the, the more likely children are to grow into adults that are going to not only take part in outdoor activities, but go on to become advocates for protecting the outdoors. So I'm curious, what age, you, know, you said it was at sleepaway camp, what age did you start climbing? I think it was like 12 when I went climbing for the first time, maybe 13. And then, you know, started climbing a little bit more regu- regularly at age 15, I believe. And it just seemed like a fun thing to do, right? I, I'm guessing, right? You just said, well, I want to do more of this. You went home and said, mom, I want to do more of this. Um, yeah. I mean, I was, I became obsessed like really quickly. I, you know, I never kind of fit in in high school. I wasn't good at any sports. And when I started going to the climbing gym, I just felt like I fit in a little bit better. I found people who were more similar to me and um, you know, I was good at it. So for me to be good at an athletic activity for once was pretty exciting because I always, you know, had a lot of energy and wanted to do like active things. But, you know, I was just terrible at soccer and basketball and all those more traditional sports. But I really enjoyed it. I liked the community that I found there at the climbing gym. And I liked just like the way it felt made me feel like I was getting stronger, but I wasn't, you know, having to do any of the, it was like kind of a fun workout, you know, where I was, um, you know, doing boulder problems or kind of solving these physical problems or puzzles with my entire body. Um, it's kind of what it felt like back then. Um, and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. And that's great to hear because, you know, we, we know the physical benefits, but there's been studies that are showing there's there's mental and emotional benefits to getting outdoors and doing athletic activities. And, and 
school, more specifically high school, can have a way of telling kids that maybe aren't very good at basketball, baseball, or soccer that, well, you're just not athletic. And, you know, what they might need is just opportunities to go out and find what they can do outdoors, something that's fun. And, you know, right, you you weren't a good soccer player, but, you know, you've climbed the ladder here uh, in your field. Uh, So you obviously found something you, you were very proficient at. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, if you put a ball in front of me, I'm going to look like the worst athlete in the world, but um, get me on some a rock face and I'll do all right. <laughs> right, and there's probably a lot of very good soccer players, star soccer players out there that could never climb a wall or would even just look at it and say, no way am I going to even attempt to go Yeah, it's not, it's not for everybody. I mean... So yeah, I mean, there's something for yeah. everybody. So you went from literally washing dishes to now you're a certified rock climbing instructor. Now, what was that journey like? Yeah, so um, to so I'm a certified rock climbing guide is a, the official title, um, mm-hmm. and so that what that looks like is well, first you have to have like um, a climbing resume to even get into the classes to become a climbing guide. So through the American Mountain Guides Association, um, they have three categories of sort of. Mm, alpinism or mountaineering or whatever you want to call it and there's the rock category the ski category and the alpine category and so the rock uh, guide or to in order to become a rock guide you pretty much have to become you have to pass all the courses and the exam in the rock category of the american mountain guides association and so to even start the whole process you have to have a climbing resume and um, you know it's not just like writing down whatever you've climbed it's actually like you have to fill in kind of like a list of requirements like you have to do so many trad climbs so many climbs of a certain difficulty so many climbs of a certain length and so on Um, so once you've done that then you can get into a climbing or the rock uh, rock climbing guide course and once you've gotten to the course, it's about 10 days of going out with other guides and AMGA instructors. And you pretty much take turns like guiding each other. And um, they'll tell you, you know, this is what you did well. This is what you did poorly. And then so you do two of those courses. They're each 10 days long. And each each course requires a cert- the same like sort of climbing resume. Um, but, you know, for the first course, it's certain level of climbing and then for the second course it's a slightly higher level of um you know climbing that you have to have done and then for the exam you have to have done you know another list of climbs or you know levels of climbs and and then the exam is the final thing and it's about 10 days long and hopefully you pass right and i would imagine that you know by the nature of rock climbing there's there's risk taken and so it sounds like they're taking every measure possible to make sure that somebody like yourself that would be leading other climbers would be a guide um has all, all the possible training to, to to be equipped to deal with the what can go wrong scenarios. yeah and there's um there's also a rescue training that we do um in the second course um we have to pass a rescue drill so you have a series of um 
kind of like rope works type things to pull off by a certain time. And, you know, these things are always, they're always tweaking it and changing it just like a little bit. But um, when I was going through my uh, rescue drill, you know, it was like a certain number of things that you had to do within 45 minutes. And in order to um, pass that course, you have to um, do everything pretty much perfectly uh, within that 45 minutes. Wow, that, that's impressive. Because let me ask you this with you know, your experience with guiding. Uh, I always think, think of this, you know, climbing up, at least for me, is a lot easier than getting down, right? And, and I've heard other people say this, even with climbing up ladders, right? You could freeze mm-hmm. up. Have you had situations like that where you've had to talk somebody down and just say, okay, you know, just, just, you're okay. You can come down. You're going to be all right. Yeah. You know, we, um, when I teach, I think it's a lot of times when I have, um, groups of people, um, like a school group or something like that, that's when you see people who are freezing up where, you know, their counselors or their teachers might say, oh, you should try this rock climbing and they're signed up for it already. Their parents paid for it. Maybe the kid doesn't want to do it. And that's when you see people, it's, I don't know, like you want to push people, um, to try it, but I always say, Hey, if you're scared or if I notice people who are a little bit uh, nervous, I tell them go up 10 feet and then come down like a few feet just to trust the system before you go, you know, all the way to the top. But it usually only happens with people who have never climbed before. It's like their first time rock climbing ever. Um, you know, once they get the hang of like going up and getting lowered back down, it's or, or repelling down. It's usually it's it's not too bad. People don't freeze up, you know, after the first go. <laughs> I was a volunteer with the Boy Scouts for a number of years, and every other year we'd bring a group of boys up to Cornell University. They have a nice climb indoor climbing wall there, and I would watch these kids. You know, they'd all sign up because it would be a weekend. We'd go camping, and then the climbing wall would just be part of what went on in that mm-hmm. weekend. But I'd watch these 11-year-olds, and some of them would be scared to do it at all. And the, and the young people that were working with the kids were so patient and so encouraging. I'd watch kids that at 11 would maybe just go up five feet or so. But by the time they were 14 or 16, they were all the way – they were going up and down that wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With these. Yeah, that's a good age to get into it, I think. Like middle school, high school, it's like a good age for kids to get into it. And in a row, he's a couple of kids who just did not like heights. Yeah. You know, and it haunts it. That's okay. It's not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would never want to pressure a kid into doing something that he, that he wasn't comfortable doing uh, and letting them know, hey, it's, that's fine. It's not for everybody. Like, like yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's all about finding that balance of like you want to push people, but you don't want them to like walk away from it feeling like it was the worst thing ever and they never want to do it again. So it's starting to find that balance right. of like, pushing people just enough where they feel like really satisfied and really like, you know, this feeling of accomplishment that boosts their self-esteem, uh, but not push them so much so that they, you know, lose confidence and lose self-esteem, you know, so it's just like trying to find that balance is where the yeah, challenge of guiding kind of lies. Right. Ex- exactly. Right. I, Right, I'd have to look at assess the situation. And say, yeah, that's a kid that just does not want to go up, does not like heights, and just is yeah. not interested, right? But then there's that kid that you're saying he just looks a little apprehensive, and I can encourage mm-hmm. him to give it a try. Yeah, right? yeah, totally, and yeah, and then especially with girls, you know, like I think a lot of like little girls are kind of taught to be more cautious, maybe like early on than little boys, and so their you know their natural response is like, oh, like it's scary. 
And then that's, and then, you know, I feel like with the little girls, you can push them a little bit more because they have this like automatic kind of like cautious response that a lot of little, you know, little boys don't have as much or, but yeah, it's like all about finding where, where to push them to, where to like stop, when to stop pushing, especially kids, you know. Like you said, right. If you cross that line, you may have discouraged them forever from ever trying. Yeah. They again. might never ever try rock climbing yeah. or hiking or whatever it is ever again. If, yeah. If they get too scared. <laughs> in addition to entry level, brand new people showing up and putting on the gear for the first time. Do you deal with any intermediate or advanced groups? Yeah. So I teach climbing of all levels. Like I love teaching beginners, but, um, you know, I work in Yosemite a lot of the year and I work about half of the year in Yosemite and half the year in the Eastern Sierra. And, um, you know, Yosemite is not the best place for beginners. So we actually get a lot of folks, um, hiring guides there who have climbed quite a bit before um but they just don't quite feel comfortable taking on some of the bigger climbs in yosemite like on their own and so some of the people i've taken climbing have been climbing for longer than i've even been alive you know they've been climbing you know 30 40 years or some of a lot of people have been climbing longer than i've been climbing but you know they either haven't climbed much in yosemite or they haven't climbed much lately or you know, maybe they can't find a climbing partner or, you know, they just don't want to find a random climbing partner because the climbs are a bit more serious in Yosemite. So uh, a whole variety of reasons for people to hire climbing guides there, especially. And, and so, yeah, we, I mean, I, I kind of, I don't even get beginners that often this time of year, starting in like October, I get more experienced climbers. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, I would think with climbing, it's not so much how much climbing you've done in your lifetime, but how much training you've had in addition to just doing the climbing, right? Because right, you can go and you can show up and you can climb, but do you know all the other technical aspects involved in even setting up for that climb? I think more goes into that than, I mean, there's more that goes into this than just, you know, lash, you know, belaying and, and going up. Yeah. Right? It's like anything, the more you learn about it, the more you realize how much there is to learn about it. And I always tell people climbing is only like 20% physical. It's 80% everything else, you know, like obviously there's an element of physicality to it, but it's also very mental. You also have to know like different techniques. You have to know the rope, like the technical, like the rope side of things, that, that technical aspect. There's so much that goes into it that, that yeah, it's, it's like the number of years that you've been climbing may not tell anybody that much. Where have you climbed? Like what like variety of experience have you had climbing? Um, and that would sort of tell, at least for me, if I was asking a client, like, what have you, I don't ask, like, how hard do you climb? 
or what's the longest thing you climb? What I ask is what kind of experience, uh, rock climbing experience do you have? Because that would tell me a lot more about what that person can do. It's like the type of experience or like the wealth of experience that they've, they've got um, is really pretty important when it comes to. Yeah. I, and it leads me to what I wanted to ask next because I was going to comment on, you know, when I was, when I would take those trips to Cornell, I'd watch some of the college students and it seemed like a lot of it was mental, right? They'd have to actually study and figure out where am I putting my hands next? Where am I putting my feet? It just wasn't as simple as just bang, bang, bang up the mm-hmm. wall and, you know, uh, rappel down. But what I wanted to ask is you've indoor mm-hmm. climbed and outdoor climbed. And could you tell us a little bit about the difference in that, right? A proficient outdoor climber, I mean, a proficient indoor climber, are they like at the same level as somebody who's an avid outdoor climber? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, gyms were originally invented or whatever, climbing gyms were invented to uh, for climbers to train. So if you really wanted to push some harder climbing grades, like difficulties, um, you know, it would, it would, you might benefit if you're someone like me who only almost exclusively climbs outside, you know, I could probably benefit by going to the gym and, you know, training there. Um, but that said, if you are mostly climbing in the gym and you haven't climbed much outside, you know, those skills in that you learn in the gym will translate a little bit, like you'll be better off than someone who hasn't climbed before. But if you think about like, there's a whole variety of different types of climbing out there, including different types of rock. And, you know, some rocks are steeper and some rocks are lower angle, like slabby. And a gym is like one particular style of climbing. And if you're only good at that one particular style, um, you're going to have a lot to learn if you venture outside of the gym and climb in other places. Does that answer your question very well? Sorry, I got a little. It does. I'm kind of, yeah, it it does. And I kind of picture it, you know, if you're a runner, you could go to the gym to work out and get yourself in shape for running by going on the treadmill. But if you're really going to run in races, you need to get out and run. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just running on the treadmill at, yeah, at the it's gym. like comparing running on the <laughs> treadmill. The same, or rock climbing. If you're climbing the rock wall, yeah. it's... Yeah, it's like comparing yeah. uh, running on the treadmill so, in the gym to running on a trail through the woods where you have to, you know, where you ha- might have like rocks and different things like, you know, um, different like kind of physical barriers or different sort of hazards to watch out for. And then you also have to figure out where to go on the trail, which way is north, things like that. So it's like, yeah, that's a good comparison, like kind of running on the treadmill with running on a long like trail run. Right. Because on the wall, you're you're getting the practice you need. You're learning your skills. You're teaching your body, mm-hmm. et cetera. But until you, you know, but it's a different game when you're actually out there on, yeah, on the rock. Yeah. Right? Amanda, let me ask you this. Females climbing. You know, we've seen a a shift over the past, say, 40 plus years in all outdoor activities where we're seeing it becoming more inclusive and and more, for the sake of this conversation, more females getting involved in outdoor activities, whether it's running, backpacking, paddling. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about how the the female community and climbing? Uh, Yeah. So climbing is kind of similar to any other like sport or uh, career or um, hobby that's it's dominated or that's dominated by men you know like you have certain sports or whatever that are traditionally like men are supposed to be better at it and I think you know when 
girls and women go through their lives and try to like find things to get into. You know, if you're told your whole life that you're not supposed to be good at something because of your gender, then you're probably not going to be good at it. Like you, you might not like even try it or you might not, even if you do try it and are good at it, you might think, Oh, well this is like, you know, a manly thing to do. So <laughs> I shouldn't be good at it. You know, it's like, if you tell women they're supposed to be good at art and bad at math and science, like, you know, they will tend to be, you know, they'll probably fall into that. So climbing's just like that. You know, I think the only reason why you see more men who are into climbing um, is because, you know, like traditionally climbing is a sport for men, you know, like because men are strong and you need to be strong to be a climber or whatever, you know, but yeah, I think we're figuring it out, like, oh, like, just because um, society kind of has these roles for us, like, we don't have to follow them. So I think across the board with, like, a lot of outdoor sports, like math and science or, you know, engineering, across a whole variety of sports and careers, I think we're seeing more and more kind of equalization among the genders, maybe, because, you know, we're starting to figure it out, like, oh, like, you know, you can still be really good at something. doesn't matter what gender you are, you know, and climbing is a great example of you know, that. I, I spoke with a climber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I spoke to a climber months ago and, you know, I, I'm listening to you and they pointed this out. You know, you have men that are short. I'm one of them who climb. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, so why wouldn't a woman who's the same height and weight as a man be able to do the same activity? Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's... And, and I think you're right in saying that it gets dropped yeah, into your head. Yeah. You know? And like I said earlier, you know, climbing is only 20% physical. It's so much more like other things, like even, you know, like just being able to think outside of the box and figure out like how to do a move um, when you've tried it over and over again or and everybody else is trying the same move and no one can do it. It's like thinking outside of the box and figuring out, you know, ways to do it is just as much, that's just as important as you know, how strong your fingers are. And it's, you know, it's not really like just pure strength, it's strength to weight ratio. So, you know, I'll take a class of intermediate climbers out and I'll have, uh, you know, like a, you know, a small, like teenage girl, like, you know, kind of scrawny looking kid. And then I'll have like a big beefy guy who's got lots of muscles and probably weighs like 200 pounds. And oftentimes I will find that the smaller scrawnier person will excel way more than the bigger person with a lot of muscles because that stuff weighs you down you know if you're like bodybuilding and you don't see a lot of Mm -hmm. climbers who are super big and bulky so in that respect I think you know um, women's body types tend to do better climbing you know because we tend to be we make up for the lack of strength and you know we're like a little bit lighter we tend to be a little bit lighter so we kind of make up for the lack of strength in that way. And, you know, there's other factors too, like flexibility helps or, you know, having a calm mind and not freaking out about stuff that helps more than almost anything. <laughs> and, you know, if you're good at that, it doesn't matter, like, you know, what sort of body type you have. I always say that climbers come in all different shapes and sizes. It doesn't matter what body type you have, you can get into climbing. And different, you know, if you're tall, you might be good at reaching holds and like a more vertical climb. But if you're short, you might be better 
at like, you know, doing a kind of more dynamic movement on a steeper climb. So, you know, it, it all has its advantages, whatever type of body you've got, you'll find a climate, you know, type of climbing that suits you. You'll find something that you can. Right. Gender is not a reason why not to climb. Right. Gender is not a hindrance. It doesn't, it doesn't hold somebody back, whether they can. Exactly. And that's something I noticed right away, you know, right when I got into climbing, you know, I sort of at the point in my life, like adolescence, where I was realizing like, physically women are going to be like my brother, my little brother was getting taller and stronger than me. And I couldn't like kick his butt anymore. You know, like he was like starting to beat me in like games and stuff. And I was like, wow. So it's true. Like you get to a certain age and you know, we're just not as strong. But then when I started at the climbing gym, I like quickly realized that, you know, I could do things just as well as the the boys, you know, who are at my level or better, you know, a lot of times I could do things that they couldn't. And sometimes I would do things, I would be able to climb stuff that guys or girls who'd been there longer than me couldn't do. And just seeing that and seeing other girls who had been there longer, who had been climbing for longer, you know, climb way harder than the boys um, was like a huge inspiration to me just seeing like, oh, so gender is meaningless when it comes to like how hard you can climb really like or like what you're able to achieve in climbing goals. I just think yeah and, and as we move forward breaking down these perceived barriers or, or you know obstacles I think we just benefit as a society every time we can knock one of those mm-hmm. down and because it's here it's climbing but it could be in the workforce or competing for uh, an important job and you know then erasing their not like I said knocking down the barriers that would either prevent a, a young woman for a pl- let's say for applying for a job uh, or, you know, for whatever reason, not getting the job. I mean, we, we just benefit in every way when we, when we can knock down these barriers at every Yeah, totally. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Now, Miranda, I, I, listen, I just want to go back to something. You work and you said Yosemite and then in this era, you, how many of us are stuck working in cubicles and in offices? <laughs> your, your office is pretty much Yosemite National Park and the Sierras. That sounds so cool. That's got to be a great experience. In yeah, itself. I feel very lucky or maybe privileged is a better word for having found work in such a beautiful places. Yes, uh, well, when you're doing what you love, you're not working, right? If you love what you're doing, you're not working. Is that how it goes? But yeah, <laughs> wow. Any words of encouragement to some to anybody who are maybe considering getting into climbing? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, you don't have to go straight to like the big giant climbing areas like Yosemite or Denali or whatever like you can start in the gym and like climbing gyms you know a lot of people you know kind of like look down on them because you're inside and not outside but I think climbing gyms are a great way to kind of get access to the sport of climbing and learn just the very basics and it's also a great way to find community or sort of meet other people who might have that um, craving for adventure or craving just to get outdoors. And, you know, if you're working in the city or if you're a kid and you want to try rock climbing, but you don't feel like, you know, you have the means or ability to hire a guide or, you know, just go climbing on your own outside, like I would just highly encourage folks to check out the local climbing gym and um, you know, it's you're inside, you're not outside. So, you know, that's kind of a bummer, but um, 
It's a great workout. It's a great way to meet people who also want to get outdoors. Uh, so it's a great like stepping stone from, you know, whatever, um, wherever you are, like in a city or whatever, um, to get out into the mountains. It's a great kind of stepping stone. Just to check out your local climbing gym. And one more thing that just, I just kind of struck me, just kind of the light bulb going off in my head here. If a 13-year-old girl walks up to you and says, Miranda, I want to climb, but isn't that something for boys to do? What would you say to her? Um, I would say it's something for girls to do. (laughs) Um, And I would tell her about a woman. Look at me, right? Yeah. (laughs) And not only that, so there's a famous climber named uh, Lynn Hill, who uh, she's one of my heroes because she's a big climber in Yosemite back in the day and she was the first person male or female like to free climb this route on El Capitan called the nose and um, all these men had tried it and thought oh it's too hard it's not possible and she decided to go for it and she did it and then you know that was kind of one of the things that made me realize that um, you know climbing is for women Climbing is for girls, women, anybody, just as much as it is for men. Wow, that's that's great to hear. And yeah, I don't have any daughters, but you know, if I did and she was at that age where she was trying to find her niche and what she wanted to do, whether it was athletically or in the outdoors, yeah, that that's the kind of story I, as a parent, would feel she needs to hear. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Where are we? Where do we find you? Do you have any social media or website that uh, you can direct? Oh uh, yeah, to? I have a website. Um, so I teach classes in the Eastern Sierra, and um, you can find out about them on my website, and it's just MirandaOakley.com. Pretty simple. My Instagram account is okay. Miranda underscore underscore Oakley. So it's a little confusing because my name was already taken on Instagram. So I was only able to get a handle that had uh, two underscores. (laughs) I've gone through the same thing. So I just tell people, go to the website, all my social media links are there. Yeah, that's the easiest thing. I don't have the time here to say, well, for Instagram, go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll make sure we put these links in the podcast description. Awesome. Uh, Miranda Oakley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing these experiences and words of encouragement with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. Make sure you check out our website, papabearhikes.com. And as I told you, you'll find all of our interesting and exciting social media links there. See what I'm up to in my in my weekends, what I'm out doing with the usual suspects. And uh, hey, everybody get out there, have some fun, and be safe while you're doing it. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.